Hello, I'm attorney Stephen R. Golden of Stephen R. Golden and Associates. Our firm is a full-service law firm dedicated to the middle class and businesses. We excel in areas of business and real estate, law, and litigation. Our firm can also reduce your debt through negotiation or bankruptcy. Our attorneys have experience in wills, trusts, and probate, helping you to maintain your family's wealth and pass it on to your loved ones without taxes. For a free consultation, give us a call at 626-228-2710. That's 626-228-2710. Time to dive into another hour of Living by the Word, and it is sponsored by the Friends of Living by the Word Ministries on 99.5 KKLA. Living by the Word does not necessarily reflect the views of KKLA staff, management, or sponsors. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Living by the Word Ministries. We're back from the break. The top of our break, we go into the second half of the broadcast. My name is Daryl E.Z.D. Fulton with Professor Craig Hawkins. I affectionately call PCH. Listen, folks, we gave you an opportunity uh, earlier on the other side of the break to give into this ministry whereby we can continue on and take care of the various things we have. You're not paying anybody's salary here. I'll give you an opportunity later on to also know how you can participate in that giving. But we want to get back to the uh, phone call we were dealing with, the subject of pornography and uh, in, the, in the church and, and, and for believers and non-believers, just this world. And so we're going to go to Dan and go back to the, the subject matter, but uh, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have your Bibles open. I hope you have a pen and paper because we want to give you something that I call the best news of all that deals with all the various issues of life. And I believe that we have the antidote for what troubles all mankind. So if you don't believe me, stay tuned. Well, you, you will hear what I believe the antidote is for all mankind's problems. Let's go back to Dan Craig and talk with him uh, continually about this subject matter we're dealing with. Dan, you there? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, so so at any rate, Dan, uh, that's why, uh, again, I have my differences with AA, but I do appreciate their, and their 12-step process. Part of it is, you know, is is being honest, an honest assessment with yourself. And I would say, as a Christian before God, this is what I struggle with. These are my issues. These are my things. And and accountability. I think they call them a sponsor. But uh, but but again, I I believe in a practice for years of meeting with uh, one brother or multiple in different contexts, but minimally with one who's generally older than I am in the Lord and or at least my, 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 my peer of mine where you're accountable to them. You've got to have that. This Lone Ranger stuff doesn't work with Christianity. Yes. And again, your, yours may not be pornography. It may be drinking. It may be you know, coveting. It may be idolatry. I mean, you know, you covet cars, whatever. Fill in the blanks. We'll name your poison. Um, but everybody has their areas. And I believe accountability uh, with someone is, is a major step in helping someone. And um, New Life uh, Treatment Centers, they, they do a lot of work on this. Every Man's Battle, is that what right, they call right, it? Right, right, um, they, they do great work on this. So there's, or we don't talk about it much because it's just not our thing, but of course, dealing with the Bible from A to Z, it, it comes up like now. But like New Life Treatment Center, I, I believe they have these seminars, they have these conferences where they explicitly deal with Every this, man's battle. The, yeah, yeah, this mm-hmm. issue. And so I, you know, I really applaud that. That, that's just so, that work is so important. This is such an epidemic in our culture and in the church. Yes. And again, these, even these uh, ministries, whatever, do these polls or whatever and ask 
Pastors Confidentially, how many of them struggle with pornography, have viewed pornography in the last year. And the numbers are staggering. Oh, look, I've worked in the um, the uh, the business of hotel business. And when they have these conventions, I was in security, uh, undercover, as it were. And I'm telling you, when the Christians come to the hotel business, Professor and Dan, let me tell you something, the pornography and the channels and all those things, they actually go up. They well, actually go up. So. And it's, it's sad. And this was back, this was back some 15 years ago for me being in an industry. So it's, it's very pervasive, man. It's pervasive. Right. So even like when I travel to Asia, you know, I have, count, I have people go, males go with me. Mm-hmm. We have accountability, you know, and it's built in. And I, I want to say something related to this because someone say, well, I don't struggle with that, but many do. Many people, uh, we just hit some, a nerve. But a lot of people, the, the adultery is so prevalent in the church. And, you know, let me just, uh, I'm not saying women shouldn't be in the workplace. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not sexist like that. But, you know, uh, people apparently lack common sense. So they work and often work long hours with someone of the opposite sex. Um, they do work on projects or whatever. They go through crises or whatever. And those the things that tend to bond people together and all this stuff. And then they start sharing things uh, emotionally and other. Uh, whenever somebody tells me my best friend is someone of the opposite sex, I'm always like, ding, 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 ding. Mm. There's a problem here. That your best friend of opposite sex should be your spouse if you're married. Um, and when you start sharing with confidant, that, see, lies people that Daryl, as you know, don't start off to go com- to get into adultery, but they end up there because right. they're sharing things that really shouldn't be shared. Uh, for example, so you're struggling in your marriage. That's not something you want to be talking about someone to the opposite sex unless it's a counselor, right, in a counseling office because you're basically putting all your cards on the table. They know where you're coming from, and then you're commiserating, and then it's, oh, nobody appreciates me but you. You don't, my husband doesn't understand you like you do, whatever. You're crossing boundaries. You ever heard of emotional adultery? And if you don't go that far, you're setting yourself up. I mean, the, the wise man looks to the way of his going, Proverbs talks about. Look, look ahead. Look down the road. What's up ahead? Are the, are the brake lights on? You might want to slow down. Um, and so some of you, the brake lights are on. You need to start looking and paying attention because you're, you, you've, you already have got yourself into trouble. And you're like, how did this happen? Um, and you may have literally don't have a clue, but that's probably how it did happen. Um, and or you're headed that way and you need to put the brakes on and... This isn't being legalistic. This is just being wise, my friend, prudent. Dealing with this stuff just just recently. Uh, my wife and I, uh, she knows when I'm dealing with people in the ministry, they'll call, they'll be male and female, and all the time the door is wide open and we're talking on the phone. And I usually try to have my wife talk with the person, but she's not in this. This is not, this is not her ministry. This is my ministry and the various things i got to deal with, everything from the family, serving family, trying to help people out. So when my wife backed out of dealing with a, a particular person just recently as a female, so I immediately got on the phone. As a matter of fact, I called my, my good friend Stephen R. and his wife. I said, listen, bro. I, he said, I, mean, I, I said, I, mean, I told him it's a woman and everything like that. And he said, hey, well, you know, just like you, I got to have my wife involved. So we try to get him involved because we don't want to take that chance. You know, I said, do I trust myself? Yeah. Do I know myself? Yes. Do I know my history of myself? Yes, I do. But if I cannot talk freely on the phone, then why am I talking? I don't care who it is, you know, I mean, especially the opposite sex. So when my, when my wife sort of like backed off of that, I got Stephen R. on it. That's to make sure that we have some woman that's aware we're trying to assist people in the it ministry. Just, you need to be wise. That's it. That's it, Dan. 
Hey, brother, that's so a, I hope that helps, Dan. No, I, Dan, I, I, and you and you know about the, the various programs that you deal with, with the various addictions and stuff that you've been dealing with for for years as far as helping people out and stuff. So you know how serious it is and how necessary it is for us to do that accountability. And every single pastor, every single minister that got involved, and I'm glad you yeah. used the word adultery, got involved with adultery. Why? Because they didn't do like I do. I say, if you have a dream about me, and whether you're a believer or not, and I was doing something crazy in your dream, you have an obligation well, to approach me. Yeah. That's my way. And that's why, and let me tell you something, if you're a pastor, I don't care who they are, how large their, large their fellowship is, they don't have accountability. It's and I don't mean yes men, by the way. Oh, I'm, not, I'm talking about people who can ask you very honest, blunt questions. A major pastor in Southern California, a friend of mine, one time I just asked him, I said, who are you accountable to? Yeah. He almost got upset at me. I said, look, I, I have accountable <laughs> people, I'm accountable to, you can ask yeah, me, exactly. but I want to know because you're in a high profile position, you're a lightning rod. Uh, people, women think you're so godly and that you've got it all together yeah, and like yeah, their husband, yeah, yeah, you know, and it's just not reality because they don't know you, you know, <laughs> your nonsense, right, Daryl? So, Absolutely. <laughs> and so, you know, they put you on this pedestal that doesn't man, belong. You know, and, no, no, no. You're, if you're not grounded, man, you're, you're, you're heading for trouble. Yes, you are. Hey, Dan, we hope that helps out, bro. I'd like to close with uh, anybody that's having a problem with any of these areas of addiction or pornography or drugs or alcohol. You need you need accountability person. You also need a fellowship with other believers, yes, yes, people indeed. that have had the same problem, so that they you guys also you need a support system. People, and, yeah. I, and my and my caveat is to all, everybody: anytime your mind says nobody will know, watch yourself because Please. you know and God knows. If I have a dream about you, like I said, I'm ta- I'm calling you. <laughs> That's it, Dan. We thank you much yeah. for your call, brother. Thanks again, Craig, for what you do and what you're going to do over there in October. Thanks again. Thanks, my friend. Right. Thank you, Brother Dan. Hey, Proficiates, you know, we're talking all this stuff about people dealing with the vicissitudes of life, the adultery, pornography, various addictions in life. But you know what? Those are sin issues. Those are issues that are deal with, uh, you know, piece by piece, moment by moment. But uh, I like to think that us in this this Christianity, this us that we're doing this radio broadcast for, the, the impetus for us doing this is to deal with not just individual sins, but to deal with sins in general. Let's talk to the folks, Greg, about how they can deal with sin in general and deal with the ultimate, a judger of sin, which is God. Yeah, And, you know, we're all in bondage to sin. Mm. That's a human predicament, and and you want to know what the problem is with the world. I mean, I don't mean to depreciate poverty and lack of education, but folks, that's not it. Uh, th- those are factors or symptoms of the of a, the problem. You know, if you if you have to go to the emergency room if you're bleeding or what they call bleeding out, you're going to bleed to death. Well, of course, they've got to st- the priority has got to be to stop the bleeding, but you can't just stop the bleeding. You've got to find out why why is the person bleeding. In other words, why are you so messed up? Mm. Why is, and you might say, well, I'm not that messed up compared to my neighbors. Well, it's a relative term, my friend. You're not perfect. And God-centered is perfection. But why is your life empty? Why do you feel incomplete? Why is there this this sense of, man, I'm missing something. There's something wrong. Uh, you may have all the accolades, all the uh, things that go with allegedly being a successful person, and yet you know you're empty. And some of you, you're struggling with heroin. You're struggling with cocaine. You, you, I mean, with pornography, you're enslaved to it. And you know it. You, you're not even going to give me an um, uh, argument on this. You know you are. Whatever level, we're all enslaved to sin, Daryl. The Bible uses the picture of the slave market where people are literally sold and mm-hmm. put on a block. We call it an auction block. Right. And they were literally were gawked at, and then people bid on them. 
and went to the highest bidder, and then they were sold into slavery. And, and we've been sold into slavery because we've committed sin, and the things we did that thought were going to bring us fulfillment and contentment, and now they enslave us. Um, and that's where we all are. And we need, we need freedom from this. We need to be delivered from this. And that's what only Christ can do. Look, this isn't a bunch of people who just can't help themselves and poor little babies. That's all of us. We're all messed up. Uh, some are more messed up than others, but I would argue simply some are more honest than others. My yes. friend, your life is not what it should be, and you know that. I'm talking to you. The person who says, I, I, I admit it, Hawkins, I admit it. What you're saying is true. That's me. You know what? I'm not here to beat you up. I'm not here to beat you over the head. Uh, flagellate you so you'll feel better, you know, about trying to assuage your guilty conscience. It is about saying, hey, there's a remedy. There is, the, there is the cure. There is the antidote. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's paid the penalty in full. He frees people from sin, from the slavery of sin. You know, it'd be like having a heart condition where you need literally a, not just, a, you know, me, a bypass or triple or quadruple, but you need a, you need a heart transplant. Well, the divine physician, the Lord Jesus Christ, he alone is able, has the skill, has the ability, and he doesn't charge you to give you a new heart, to redeem you, to deliver you from yourself and the mess that is your life and the problems. Maybe you're estranged from well, a previous spouse, or maybe your spouse right now, or your significant other. You, you're, things are not right, and they're not going the right way with your children, uh, with coworkers, uh, whatever, fill in the blanks, other family members. There's things wrong in your life. Uh, I'm not saying life's going to just be easy and you'll live in you know, uh, la-la land, not at all. But I'm saying God will transform your life. He'll change you from the inside out. He'll give you new desires, and he'll give you the energy. Yes. He will give you the energy and the desires. You may say, I, I have done this forever. As long as I can remember, I've been this way. Uh, I know that. God can and will deliver you if you'll call out to him and ask for forgiveness, acknowledge your sins. Sin's an old English word contemporary concept for your imperfections, for your transgressions that have estranged you, that have alienated you from others and from God himself, if you will acknowledge these things and ask for forgiveness and help, God will deliver you. He will give you life and that more abundantly. He will transform your life. He will change you. You will literally never be the same. This isn't pie in the sky. This isn't hype. This isn't some uh, wide-eyed speculative utopia. This is reality. I would argue the wide-eyed speculation is sex, drugs, rock and roll, yeah. and everything else you've tried to cram into your life to bring you fulfillment, to contempt, contentment, or to numb the pain that you're feeling, to numb the pain. That's why many pe most people drink, and that they're trying to numb the pain. They're trying to numb the abuse, the, the hardships, the difficulties that they've gone through from childhood or whenever, uh, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, fill in the blanks again, and or try to anesthetize themselves, try to bring fulfillment, euphoria, contentment taking of drugs, whether it's to numb the pain or to bring on euphoria, it never lasts, my friend. You know that. It only makes things worse. Trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Come to him and ask for forgiveness. Say, Lord, man, I need help. Will you deliver me? That's not weakness, my friend. That's strength. That's showing the truth, the reality. It's just like, you know, males typically, Daryl, we're horrible at going to the doctor. We often <laughs> won't go until our arm's falling off or, you know, you're in cardiac arrest, my friend. Oh, I better go to the hospital. Okay, well, if you think so. Um, you know, we're, we're like that. And so don't be that way spiritually, my yes, friend. Yes. Acknowledge your condition. Come to Christ. And he will give you life in that more abundantly. He will transform you from the inside out. He will change you. He will deliver you from whatever's enslaving you, from whatever uh, is um, 
messing up your life and getting in the way of your relationship with not just you and God, which is, of course, ultimately important, but with you and others. You're not going to be right with others, not truly right, unless you're right with God. And i got to tell you, that is only through Jesus Christ and his work. Trust in him as your Lord and Savior and receive the gift of eternal life that he gives you mm. in full right here, right now. What a blessed privilege we have to just give that message. If we can just give that message and just uh, be done, uh, then our, our tasks, our, our, our life has been worth it. You know, Professor, I've asked the people last week uh, when they hear this message, when we give the gospel message, if they would find it within their uh, heart, or just don't even be shy to give uh, Brian and I a call. I'm going to give a phone number again. A gentleman called last week. We've contacted him, and, and uh, Brian had the privilege of talking with him uh, a bit and got him uh, set up in a church over there in San Pedro area. So when we get this gospel message out, this is uh, talking about a return on the investment, the investment of what that Christ did and we just have that privilege of sharing the message to, to water or to plant what somebody else have uh, already uh, laid the soil for which is Jesus Christ. It's, it's up to him it's up to the Holy Spirit to, to change the life but we give the message. He use, Think about it. He uses us. Yes. <laughs> uses you. Yeah. Uses me. As right as I know and, I am as an individual he uses us to give his message. Yeah Daryl and I know there's people who don't some people don't even normally listen to this station and right. they just happened upon it Boom. and just happened to hear that. No, That's no accident. accident. That's I'll never forget, I was on another radio station one time, and I was teaching on a topic, another religion actually, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there was a a young man who was struggling with this, he he had a Christian background, but he was dabbling with this other religion, and was really toying with it, and Mm -hmm. whether it was true or not, Mm -hmm. and he got into his car, and I happened to be teaching on that. And he said the irony was he didn't even listen to that station, <laughs> and and somehow his radio got stuck, and he couldn't. If he wanted to listen to the radio, it was on there, and I was talking on the very thing that he was wrestling with, and I just I chuckled because see I see that not as coincidence. Not I see that as a divine appointment. Some of you just had a divine appointment. Yes, you're in God's waiting room, and and through us is is. Weak as it was, but through us, you got the message, and you know what? You need to do the right thing with it. You need to trust in Christ. Well, God is consistent. He's not willing that anyone should perish. I mean, so this thing that we call coincidence or just accident, I never listened to a radio station. Who is this professor? Who is this easy guy? And we happen to hear your voice. Hey, I'm just praising God that he would use somebody like myself to do anything in his kingdom, and we count on the privilege. Mm-hmm. So, folks, if you heard this gospel message, if you happen to have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, trust me, you're not doing it on your own. We talked about that before. You, you know, you, you're not choosing this on your own. God is moving within your heart like he did for all of us to be able to move towards him. He's calling you. If you feel that call in your life and you happen to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm going to request that you write down this number and give us a call. You can even call the number now and leave a message, and Brian or myself will contact you back because even though the Bible Information Brokers, we do this radio broadcast, we're not getting paid for anything like this, the gospel's already been paid for. The sin, your sin has already been paid for. You, could, you couldn't have paid for it anyway because you'd be eternally lost. The price has been paid, just like Professor said. Call us at 866. That's not for tonight. It's for, you can call now, but leave a message for Brian and I to get back with you. 866-929-2514. That's 866-929-2514. Give us a call. Leave a message saying, hey, I accepted this Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, what do I do now? What do I do? Well, folks, 866-929-2514. Give Brian and I the privilege and opportunity to give you a call back to get you kind of headed in the right direction and get you in a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church and get you on your way in your most holy faith. Whew. 
Professor, I get excited about the gospel, man. I get excited about it because I've had too many people that left me in this life, and I wasn't sure that they accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. Matter of fact, someone I know was a, was a, uh, you know, was just didn't believe that way, but yet they died. Whether I know at their last breath, I don't know. But it hurts just to think that the likelihood. I don't want to roll the dice. On, on anyone else out there, we gave you the message. Please give us a call at 866-929-2514. Let us know that you accepted Christ. We'd love to talk to you. Now, let's get back to the broadcast. Questions and answers. Professor Craig Hawkins, PCH, Dear OZD Fulton, ready here, ready here to receive your questions, to give you an answer, a biblical answer for your questions. So let's, let's try to go in order here, Craig. I do have an email. Let me give you the email address. That's questions at Bible Info Brokers. Questions at Bible Info Brokers. Now, listen, before we go back to the questions real fast, let me give you a, a number whereby, no, you know what, let me go to the questions first. Get a pen and paper. I'm going to give you an opportunity to participate in the giving in this uh, particular ministry and also to give for Craig's special trip coming up in a couple of three, oh, maybe about two months. Uh, the last part of September, Craig will be going back to India. He'll be out there for two weeks plus, so we want to give you an opportunity to bless him and that ministry and get some things over to you invest in the kingdom of God that way. So stay tuned. Hold on. We'll be back with more of that information. But right now, let's go to the city of Los Angeles. Talk to our friend Doug. Doug, thanks for holding on and calling in. Was King David in un unjust wars based upon First Chronicles twenty-two eight? Doug, if I understood you correctly, you said was King David unjust? Was King David in unjust wars based upon First Chronicles twenty-two eight? PCA, what say you? Uh, sure. Some of the things were ordained by God. Some of them he was fighting for his life. Um, sometimes even just wars that he was involved in, and I do hold to what's called, actually, it's called just war theory, that there are some wars that are not only uh, allowable, but they're the right thing to do. Just like you need a police department sometime to come and arrest somebody next door to you because they're threatening to kill you. Um, but but sometimes even in a when, when it was appropriate for Dave to, David to be involved in a military campaign, he got carried away sometimes. Um, and this does happen. So it appears that he was both in some that were not ordained by God, number one, and number two, sometimes even when God allowed him or called him to actually go to war against certain people, he got carried away, and or some of his commanders. Uh, some of his men were, he even rebukes them. He says, you know, these guys are horrible. They went way overboard in their brutality and, and what they did to given people it's one thing to, to, to fight for your life. It's another thing just to basically torture somebody or do things that are just not appropriate in the process of uh, protecting oneself or, or one's, uh, one's family or one's community or one's nation. Yes, I think he, he, he certainly got in trouble. And that's why God, for those who don't know what we're talking about, in Second Chronicles 22, for example, it says, then he called for his son Solomon and charged him, that is David, to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David uh, said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build the house for the name of the Lord. By the way, he wasn't going to put the tetragrammaton giant blocks <laughs> in, in the temple, Yahweh, Wahe, and say, oh, here's it's a temple for the name of God. It means for God, for his glory, for his honor, his divine name, his personhood. It says, but what? Verse 8, and this is what you're asking about, Doug, of course, for the rest of our audience. But the word of the Lord came to me and said, you have shed much blood and have fought many wars. You are not to build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. And he says, and then you'll have a son and I'll let your son do it. You can make the provisions for it, but you can't do it. Yeah, because 
when it says you're a bloody man, it means you've, you know, typically people were killed by the sword. And so you have a lot of blood on your hands. Mm-hmm. You've killed a lot of people. And some of it was, was wrong, was inappropriate. And or you did it in a manner that was over the top, that was not necessary. Um, let me give you an example. Let me just, if people don't know what I'm talking about. All things equal, you have a right to defend yourself. If you believe you're in danger of grave bodily injury or death, so someone comes at you with a crowbar or whatever, and somehow you're able to disarm them, uh, you can do that. You have a right to, to protect yourself or someone else. But in doing so, if you use you yourself use excessive force, for example, they're on the ground, they're incapacitated, and you keep punching or kicking them or, or hit them with something, when they're already incapacitated, that's excessive force. And now you can be charged with that. Even though originally you were protecting yourself and had the right to do that, you went over and uh, uh, beyond the call of duty, if you will, what was necessary to stop the uh, assailant. And, and now you can and will be charged with a crime. Uh, because you know, so basically, the rule kind, of, the rule of thumb is, uh, before they hit the ground, you know, as long as you're you're doing something to make sure they can't still harm you, appropriate. But once you know they're incapacitated and you keep hitting them or doing harm to them, kicking them, whatever, you're in trouble. And that's the same idea principle here, with David. You could, David, you had a right to protect yourself, yes. but when you went above and beyond right. that, uh, God's holding you accountable. When I was a police officer, professor, that's what they called, and Doug, they call that escalation and de-escalation. You go up and down the scale as necessary you use a reasonable force for the situation and you better you better be able to articulate why you did everything precisely you did. so it's one thing for a police officer to use force to sure. subdue somebody but sure. any force in addition to that is excessive been there did that not in the sense that i ever did the excessive oh. force but the idea that yes. you had to deal with that i mean i was just i was making a joke with a old sergeant of mine who we retired and uh, he's, he was my sergeant and he was making a comment about when i was working in compton and i told him i said well we had a situation whereby when we got in I mean, I've gotten a few fights in the courtroom because people said they weren't going to jail and you, it was time for you to go to jail. So if you act like you don't want to go, then it, it, it's on. And so I'll never forget the time when I was the first person to grab a guy, get him on the ground. Another guy was trying to restrain him with me. And then because this guy was it's a huge dude, I all I remember is someone grabbed me and threw me off. Now I found out who it was. One of my fellow deputies said, I got this, I got this, you go get the lockup. I said, man, we already had them. But, but that's the thing you have to watch out for, that over-escalation, even though we didn't do anything harmful to him other than get him in the court or in the jail. But it's just those kind of situations where you can get yourself caught up Craig, and that's what I think God was talking about so with David. David got caught up sometime. You can do and the right behind. thing the wrong the way. The wrong way. That's exactly right. That's exactly I think that's why God probably told David to do it, like you said, with us and that his son do it, because David had too much blood on his hand. Too much. Right. Hey, Doug, thank you much for the phone call, brother. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you, do you want to hear about that stuff? I mean, look, we, we dealing with, I don't even want to talk about this OJ situation and all that stuff and, uh, you know, what should have happened and what did happen, but it's just ironic how unjust man and how we have to deal with life and how we do things in life, God has already had the answer. Basically, uh, the things that God dealt with David with translates all the way to the, uh, the year 2000-something when we're supposed to be dealing with people on the way, like you said, not going over and above what is necessary. You do the minimum to get the maximum results. One triple eight LA talks one triple eight five two eight two five five seven for your phone call. You want to ask, join in, Professor and myself, to ask us a question. We give you the biblical response. So you can send us an email at uh, questions in the address box. Questions at bibleinfobrokers.com. Okay, uh, Charlie and Charles, hold on for a second. I'm gonna go to Elaine right now in the city of Culver City and take her call and say thank you for calling in, Elaine. Hi, you're welcome, and thank you for answering. 
I have a, requ- a question regarding Isaiah chapter 30, mm-hmm. verse 1 through 5, I believe it is, and that's uh, the futile confidence in Egypt. Now, one, I want to know if Egypt represents the world in our day, and if this particular scripture is uh, applicable for people who are always getting into credit, uh, applying for credit. Credit cards, that mm-hmm. is. Well, that's a great question, and uh, there's going to be some debate, but I'll give you our perspective on it. Let me just read it. Elaine, I, I know you know it, but for those who don't know what we're talking about, I'm going to at least read the first two and a half verses. It says, Woe, in the NIV at least, Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look, for help to, uh, who look for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. Uh, the context was, this is Judah, the southern kingdom. Sennacherib is the ruler of the time of, of Assyria, the dreaded Assyrians. And they're coming into the area, and uh, the, is, uh, Judah's rightly scared witless. Um, <laughs> but instead of looking to God and repenting and seeking God's face, they said, well, Egypt's a great power. They can protect us. Let's make an alliance with Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, and he'll protect us from the Assyrians. And of course, he didn't, and they ended up being taken captive by the Assyrians anyway. That's the historical context of this text. And as we say in hermeneutics, again, we use the term earlier, the science and art of interpretation, the, the, the conservative orthodox view is a text has one and only one meaning, but may have multiple applications. Right, right. So I would argue the meaning of this text is, was to the tribes of Judah, the southern kingdom, at a given time and a given place specifically to them. But having said that, I, I personally do believe this passage is applicable to today. Now, we can debate whether it's to credit cards or not. I would say it's anything. The principle. Uh, principle it's the principle. It. The principle is anytime we look to anything or anyone other than God first and foremost and put our confidence in those. So in other words, we don't seek God's face and his blessing with our financial difficulties. Or I would argue churches do this all the time. They go to some... Uh, um, uh, fin- financial fundraiser company organization or some s- success motivational speaking thing or whatever and look to all these uh, whiz bang gizmo whatever um, programs Americans we love programs we love <laughs> we love our programs we love our business models and we look to these things to grow the church instead of looking to the, the sovereign God so uh, I'm I'm not gonna say therefore credit cards are wrong I'm not gonna go there Credit's not wrong per se, in my opinion, but it's anything that we look to it first and foremost when we don't seek God's favor and His grace, whether it's financial or it's the growth of a church or the leadership of a church or Christians. It's when we make alliances with, and so, by the way, let me I cut in on myself. Egypt has been seen symbolically as a type of the world. Yeah. Uh, and so, if that's the case, which I think there's some legitimacy legitimacy to that idea. It's anytime we go to worldly means and methods to do God's work, God's kingdom, and or for our own life, we're not really trusting on God. We're not really looking to him. It's kind of like, God, don't worry, I'll fix it. I'll take care of this. Kind of like with Abraham and Hagar. I'll take care of this, God. I'll get an heir. And God's like, that's not what I had in mind. And so I believe it has many applications, and I think yours may well be one of those. Okay? You know, Elaine, I appreciate it. I do have a, a question. Now, at the beginning, my Bible says, whoa, the first verse, mm-hmm. right. it says, whoa, 
does that mean, is that woe in regards to later he said you will be ashamed because you did trust in Egypt? Well, the term in Hebrew and then when things like this are used in Greek is the idea of, uh, whoops, uh-oh, look out, you know, uh, oy vey would be the Yiddish, German, and Hebrew term that's used today, oy vey. Uh, in other words, there's trouble coming to you. Um, it's a rebuke. It's a warning. It's uh, In German, they would say, achton. Uh, it's a warning, caution. Um, you know, uh, danger, electricity, what have you. You're you're getting into dangerous area. So woe to them! It, it, it's both a warning and it's telling you. We use the word woe as trouble or problems. It's so it's come to mean, uh, you know, the person has woe in their life, and it means as a problem or trial. So I think it's both of those. Okay. You know, Elaine. Before you go, I'll just say this. I've been reading through the Bible again, like I mentioned earlier, chronologically, and uh, just what you're talking about, how God. Uh, it's basically yet got on, um, I think it was in Isaiah here, I forget the, the chapter, but he's also talking about how in his anger he gave him a king. And then his wrath, he took that king that he gave him away, took Saul out of the picture because Saul didn't do what he told him to do. So God, and I, I was just thinking about this, Craig and Elaine, that even though we keep bugging God about giving us something, and we keep asking, keep asking for it, like Israel asked for a king even though they had the king God, then God may just say, okay, you know what? I know the beginning from the end. We'll give it to you. But I'm giving it to you in my anger and in my wrath. Well, yeah. I'm going to take it away. Yeah. Well, sometimes in our, in our ignorance and our sinfulness. And mm-hmm. that, excuse me, that's the context better of this word, passage. Sinful, better word, sinfulness. Look, yeah. at, look at verse 11. They, they want to tell them to leave the way and get off the, this path, the path of God, and stop confronting us with the God of Israel. And how does the text uh, towards the end of the chapter, one of my favorite verses, verse 18, for the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Listen to God. God, God disciplines us. His, his goal is never to be harsh to us. He doesn't set us up, I believe, to get you know, judged, disciplined, right. chastised. He wants good for us, but sometimes we are obstinate. That's mm-hmm. why I believe it's an appropriate English word. We are, we are hell-bent. I'm not cussing. I'm using the phrase literally <laughs> on getting what we want, even though God says, like the king, it's not good for you. But, but God's attitude, I believe, is seen, and the word Hebrew word, I think, that summarizes this as hesed. But the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait upon him. So if we'll wait on God, if we'll seek him, if we'll let him work in our life, he will. So, for example, medically, does that mean I won't go to a doctor? No, but I'm going to pray for healing. I'm going to say, Lord, if it be your will, would you uh, let the elders anoint me with oil? Mm-hmm. Would you heal me? And if not, then sure, I'm going to the doctor, but give God first shot at it. Trust in him. But often we have the, I'll fix it. We don't, and literally it's, we don't want to do it your way, God. I don't like that. I'm going to do it my way. And God says, oh, you're going to do it your way. And you're going to reap the consequences if you don't repent. You know, you use that, I think that a very example, Craig and name. We thank you very much for your phone call, sweetheart. Thank you much. You know, Craig, that example you just gave about the doctor in, in the Old Testament, one of the kings, I forget which king it was, if it was with Judah or with Israel, one of the kings had some issue, and instead of him going to God first, God even made mention to him, I forget which king it is, I'll think about it, I'll bring it up next week if I can remember, that he actually said he spent all of his money, did all this thing, saw all the medical guys, all the experts then, and then he wouldn't come to me yeah, first. I can't remember if it was Hezekiah or not, but it, yes. It's one of those guys there. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, listen, one triple eight la talks one triple eight five two eight two five five. Seven. That's PCH, Professor Craig Hawkins. My name is Daryl E.Z.D. Fulton. We're here for you, the Bible Information Brokers, to take your question to give you a biblical response. So give us a call, one 888 talks one 888 or email us your questions at questions. Put in the address box, spell it out, questions at BibleInfoBrokers.com. 
Let's go back to the phone calls, PCH, and talk with Charlie. Charlie, thanks for holding on and calling in. Hi, guys. Good evening. Great job. Thanks so much for doing the work. Um, I had a question about Isaiah 44. It's Isaiah's show today, huh? <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, but Isaiah 44, 15 through 19 primarily, but the kind of passage is talking about idolization of wood. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Could you help me out and kind of, it, it gives a list of what wood can do, and I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, and Charlie, I would have a little differing view here. The problem is not people idolizing wood. The people is them literally making an yes, idol uh, of, of wood. wood. Yeah, you go. So you they go. use, and it tells us, we know in that area, there's there would be cedar, there's pine, um, there's the various types of woods that are uh, cypress that are mentioned there. Um, so it's not so much that they, although somebody certainly could make an idol of wood, idolize wood, I should say. But the problem is not so much that here that they're idolizing wood, it's that they're making an idol of wood. Now, these are poorer people. Richer people would make it out of some type of stone silver, and or metals. Metal, yeah, yeah, silver, gold, mm-hmm. if you're really rich. And so that's what's going on here. And that's why God is dealing with them is because they're making an idol. And Right. What does the examples of the wood being used as for energy for man, Warmth for man, kindle fire, and bake bread. What piece of wood can do all that? Is what I'm. What well, I'm from it. yeah. Well, it, it, it can't, and that's God. So that's why God. There's another major passage in Isaiah as well that talks about this, and that's why God lets them have it because they're looking to this idol which can't speak, can't do anything, exactly. and you're looking it to take care of you to provide all the things you just mentioned, and it can't do any of the above. And to me. This is indicative, this is representative, that is, of the absurdity of sin. We idolize, we make idols of things, just like the previous question that Elaine asked. Mm -hmm. We look to things to deliver us, and they can't deliver us, but we don't trust in the one who can deliver us, the one who can keep us warm, the one who can give us all of our needs and whatnot, let alone above and beyond the basic needs and necessities of life. We don't look to God, and that's why God holds them in derision and and judges them for this sinful action. Can I ask a follow-up part to that? Mm Mm-hmm. Great. So what I've been researching, though, is that in the passage it says, give man energy, which is energy for fuel, his body energy. It can give him warmth, which is clothing, and it can kindle a fire, which is it can start a fire. And then from the same piece of wood, you can bake bread so you can get flour. And And so in doing the research, though, all of that would actually be able to come from the hemp seed and the hemp fiber, wouldn't it? Food, clothing, shelter, plastics, fuel, gasoline. Right, but I would argue that's not really the issue. You could make a god of hemp as well, and people exactly. can and do, and cannabis and everything else. So the issue to me not, is not so much the material they're using, it's, the, it's what they're doing with mm-hmm. the material, whatever it may be. None of these things per se are bad in and of themselves. It's what we do with them that get us in trouble. And I'll have exactly. to leave it at that for time's sake. Thanks, right. Charlie. Charlie, thank you very much for that phone call. And Professor, that's, that's one of the things that we we do. We mentioned earlier that the Bible does have a meaning, a one meaning for the uh, particular verse, but many applications. But you have to also be careful of our applications because we can take it and make some things and make some. sometimes we can almost have a pretext uh, to what we want and then try to find the answer, see if the Bible backs up what we think. Exactly, Daryl. And it, a danger in that. In fact, I was looking for the other text, and it's actually in Isaiah 40. Um, uh, for example, it says, uh, let's start here, 17. It says, 
Uh, Before him, all the nations are as nothing, that is God, in Isaiah 40, verse 17. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. To whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? As for an idol, a craftsman cast it, a goldsmith overlays it with gold, right? You can find this in Jeremiah uh, 10, 13 as well, 3 and following. Mm -hmm. A man too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. He looks to a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. In other words, this is their God, and they invest it. They believe it's endowed or invested with, with power. And so a poor person... If they want to make it elaborate, well, it's wood, and then they overlay it with gold or some metal, yeah, like silver, bronze, what have you. And someone else who has more money will literally do it out of the precious metal itself. But the point is, it's not that the wood or the metal is wrong or bad. It's what they want to do with it. They're looking to it to make an idol mm-hmm. as if the idol can somehow protect them, provide for them. We have all these figurines, these Astra <laughs> figures of yeah. allegedly that aid in fertility, if you will, aid in all kinds of things. Just like the totem pole, allegedly certain images are right. represent certain spirits that are over certain aspects of life, of nature, whatnot, and people supplicate them as if they can somehow provide for them. And God mocks all that and says, you're missing the whole point here. Those things have nothing to do with, with it. And not only does he mock it, but if you were to continue, and I'm sure you've read this verse already, and in 25 it says, to whom will you compare me, or whom will be my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes. Come on, folks. Look up to the heavens. Where do you think that came from? I put it there, the Holy One is talking about. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. Listen, we're talking about all this silver and gold. Well, silver and gold we have done, but what we do have, we give to you. That is the Word of God as you call in with your questions. But let me tell you, if you do have some of uh, the silver or gold, or we can, you can even have the U.S. dollars, we're going to ask that you participate in giving and helping this ministry stay on the air, not only on the radio and the Internet and the various things we do and the various uh, resources and the uh, things we have to offer you, but who knows? If you give enough, you give like they did back in the temple days. When they built the temple, you gave so much. When they rebuilt the temple, they had to tell them to stop giving. They just gave so much. We never had that problem, Craig. But the problem mm-hmm. that we do have is that we don't want to get into the problem we had some months ago whereby we came to, had to come to you in our, in our uh, extension circumstance. So here's what you can do. Let me give you the address where you can actually send a check or a money order, write it out tonight, and mail it tomorrow. That's write the check out to LBTW and then mail it to P.O. Box. Four, I'm sorry, P.O. Box 90477. Let me read that again. P.O. Box 90477 in Los Angeles, 90009. Please, don't take away from your church. Give to us what the Lord would have you to do. Pray about it. Please pray for this ministry, but give, give, give. We need to, we need your help financially. If you're going to also give, you can go to our website at BibleInfoBrokers.com. Give on a secure site there. Those of you that are internet savvy you know what I'm talking about. Click the donate button. It'll give you instructions on one page or you can fill out. Give recurrently. Give one time. Give as the Lord leads you. Please, we need your help on that. Partner with us. Do it every month. Set it up already. And if you're so inclined and you have you want to give and you want to give towards uh, the ministry that Craig is going to be dealing with, uh, the ministry he's been dealing with for years, going overseas uh, in, in India in this particular time to be able to take the word of God over to teach uh, teachers how to teach their people what a blessed gift you can give the, the gift that keeps on giving the word of God the gospel given so you're connected to us and then we're connected to India through Craig whereby he's giving the word of God out to those people out there in a very hostile situation towards the gospel of Jesus Christ you can do so with the same address and you can simply put on your check if you mail it in put on there PCH or India and we know where it goes so 100% of that
that money that you give us will go to him and to the ministry to take care of that cause. As you said, as he said before, why do you want a soldier to be on the field, a battlefield, paying for his own gear? Come on, folks, let's be practical with it. Open up your eyes, look up into the heavens, and know that you are giving into the kingdom of God when you give to Bible Information Brokers and also to the ministry that Craig is going to be dealing with, with the ministers and everybody out there in the India trip coming up in September. So start giving right now. We appreciate it in advance. PCH, I do have an email question. Uh, folks, if you want to call in, we have the, like, the last quarter of the show, about 15 or so minutes left. Give us a call at one 888 talks one 528 I'll be bringing up this email question that we have here, Craig, if I can re-bring it up here, if I get my little thing right. It's dealing with, um, I don't know if I got the whole question in the box for you there or not. If it's not there, let me kind of bring it up and read it to you here. It's from Steve. And Steve is asking this question, PCH, that says, here on Christian Radio, it's several pastors who refer to the Jewish people, a.k.a. Yuhada. Uh, Yuda. I mean, I'm sorry, that's Yuhada. Yahuda. Yahuda. What did I say, Yahuda? Well, it's basically how you'd pronounce it. For example, J- Jacob, well, there's no J in no, here. J, exactly. It's Jacob. Jacob, so, for okay, example. got you. Mm-hmm. Okay. He says, as the chosen people of Elohim, uh, I understand the difference in the nation as a whole called Israel versus the tribes of Israel and a single tribe called Yehuda. Uh, Ahuda, if I'm not saying right, I'm going to have to practice that. In view of this messianic age of, um, and during the millennium, uh, during the time, uh, what is this, that are remaining, the 11 tribes supposed to return to the physical land, basically he's asking this question, what about that other one-twelfth of the tribe? What about that other tribe? What's happening with them, Craig? Well, sure, and and I do hold this. I, I'm a premillennialist as opposed to what's called post-millennialists or all-millennialists. I do believe in a literal millennial kingdom by Christ, and I do believe that God is still going to work with the ethnic people we would refer to as, as Jews or Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so it's there's a number of issues of naming and whatnot. Notice the name Israel came to represent all the tribes, but then at a time it actually represented just the so-called ten northern tribes, and Judah came to represent the two southern Mm -hmm. tribes. Mm -hmm. So the question is, basically, we often seem to be talking about Judah or Jews Mm -hmm. deriving from Judah, Mm -hmm. um, and isn't it really referring to the other 11 tribes as well? And I would say, yes, Stephen, of course it is. But these terms, this is just a case where a name, a a particular name, becomes use of the whole group. Um, so let me give you a parallel example. I hope it helps and not hinders, but, um, so anyways, the answer to your question is yes. So maybe we talk about the Jews and really we're talking about predominantly the tribe of those from the tribe of Judah, but these promises, if you're a premillennialist, at least don't they apply to all the other 11 tribes? And I would say, yes, absolutely. Correct. 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 Think of it this way. When we refer to the Greeks, if you've ever done study on Greek society, Greek philosophy, you've probably heard the term, if you've even studied Alexander the Great in his life, you've heard of the term uh, Hellenist or the Hellenization of the world or of the uh, the Near East through Alexander the Great. Uh, uh, through Alexander the Great, <laughs> the Greek, uh, the Jimmy great, the Greek. Uh, the great guy. Yeah, <laughs> the great, the great, 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 great guy. The great guy. There you go. So yeah, at any time. rate, but actually, just uh, FYI, uh, the word Hellenistic, Hellenes, actually, in Greek was actually just one tribe of Greece, but they were the dominant tribe, and, and they were so well-known that their name became associated with all Greeks. So if you're a classic scholar, you'll use the term Hellenistic, Hellenization, whatnot, but that's analogous to this. But, of course, the Greeks were many tribes, many groups, but the because of the dominance of, of the Hellenes, that term became generic for all Greeks, and so many times the term uh, from Judah, Jew, 
used, it becomes used of all all the twelve tribes of Israel. So, I hope that helps. Well, I, I think it helps me at least when you were thinking when you said what you said. I was thinking about the the early church when it got started. How there was a rumble before they where really they established the deacons to take care of things. Well, that when they mentioned the Hellenistic Jews were not getting the food properly distributed. So is that the reason in, why in they didn't mention Greek, everybody? In Greek, the term actually is Hellenist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Acts seven, I believe. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So that's so that's similar to what you're talking about. They just that's mentioned exactly that. it, and, okay. and they weren't just referring to that one tribe right, of right, Greeks. Right. They were referring to yeah. the the Greek people. Got exactly, you, got you. Gerald. Thank you. Yes. Oh, you're welcome. Sometime I come through for you every now and then. There you yeah. go, man. one 888 talks one 888 Ladies and gentlemen, we have about 10 minutes left of the broadcast. Uh, just a few minutes less than 10. Let's go take Charles. We just had Charlie. Now we got Charles. We got all the sea guys coming on. Charles, thanks for calling in and holding in. Yeah, uh, holding praise on. the Lord Jesus. This is Charles. Uh, I think there's some confusion around Sodom and Gomorrah why it was destroyed. Was the issue homosexuality gone crazy, or was it pride? Interesting question, a question we've had before. No. Uh, Charles, hold on, I'm going to let the professor yep. uh, dive into that. So um, hold, on to, uh, hold on to your hat there, I'm going to have the professor give you an answer. Amen. PCH, pride, or was it really rampant homosexuality? You know, those guys uh, no. coming out of Lot's house and all that kind of stuff. Greg, what do you say? Well, or could it be both? There you go. Uh, is it, we want to commit what's called the either-or fallacy. Is it both? But it's interesting here. We could, I could give my speculation, but actually the New Testament tells us why God judged them. And uh, let me let me Good. read. Good. What is it? Yeah, it's in the little epistle called Jude. And let me just read this, and then I'll give my, my opinion. Uh, in Jude, I would say chapter 1, but there's only one chapter. So that's why we, <laughs> Good job. Uh, verse 5, it says, Though you already know all this, and he's just talking about them to contend for the faith that was once entrusted to the saints, apologetics, if you will. It says, though, though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. Now you may say, well, it's all this. This is not my question, but it's getting to the, to the question. Here we go. Verse 7. In a similar way, we could say an analogous way, likewise, if you will, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns, in other words, the ten towns of the plain, the other eight, gave themselves up to what? Sexual immorality, porneia is the Greek term, and perversion. Indeed, it says, actually in the Greek text, they went after sarkos heteros, uh, strange flesh, which that means is, what is the strange flesh? They were involved in same-sex relations with uh, women with women, men with men. So I am not saying the pa- it doesn't rule out pride, and I would argue pride does go with this, because anytime we sin, we're basically saying to God, you don't know what you're talking about. I do, and I'm going to do this because I derive pleasure from it, and or it's okay, and your prohibition against it is wrong, so pride is involved. But the text itself tells us that their judgment is because of of uh, sexual immorality, again, the Greek word we talked about earlier, uh, Daryl, pronea, right. and sarkos heteros, the phrase in Greek, strange flesh, which means not the flesh God ordained, but men with men and women with women. So it tells us. Hey, Charles, I hope that helps you out there, Charles. That help you out, brother? I get a very thorough research on this, and I seem to I get confused in the end when it said the end was pride. Was that like Lucifer was proud? I will not serve, I will be God, or what? Could you expand on that word? I, I would try, sure. Um, 
pride is an ultimate issue. There's a debate among theologians, but I am one who holds a view that really, the really the source, the ultimate sin is pride. It's the source of all of our sins. From pride comes everything else we do, because it's the idea that basically, I know better. I know what's best for me. I know more than God does. And so when if God tells me to do something, he may well be wrong. And if he forbids something, so we say pre or proscriptive, that when he prescribes something, he's wrong. And when he proscribes something, forbids it, he's wrong. And so I believe that's why pride comes into this, just like Lucifer, just like the devil, because yeah. it is pride. And then that leads to all the other sins, right. if you will, including this, this one. So that's why I see the two actually going together, Charles. That's my view. I got a real strong impression. I am trying to launch a new ministry. I think God told me to is clear as a bell, get the new iPhone, have it all nicely collected, mm-hmm. so we give our people the best, not like less. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you witness to that. This is terribly important to me. All right, John. Well, thanks, Charles. Appreciate we wish you it. the best. Yes, sir. You know what, Greg? I was thinking about Proverbs, where it says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And before this broadcast is up, Craig, I'm going to give it back to you again. I'm going to give you an opportunity, Craig, to give me that um, pet peeve and that um, soapbox. What you got going on in your, in your soapbox head today? Or I got something in my head. What's, what's your pet peeve for the day? And are you want to share with the listening audience? Well, it's this. I want to be careful, and I don't want to be heavy-handed, but it's really you asked me about you know what I have coming up, and besides some speaking engagements, mm-hmm. my trip to India and Myanmar, old Burma. Um, and, and it's, it's not, it's, I don't want to know if I want to use the word peeve, but it, it's a concern and it's the church in America is so, we're so narcissistic. We're so obsessed with self and, mm. uh, me, myself and I are, you know, mine and my own financial prosperity and comfort. And we're, we're oblivious. And I would argue that, uh, intentionally we're oblivious. We don't want to know. We don't ask what our brothers and sisters are going through in other parts of the world. And there are literally hundreds of thousands of millions of people who have not been reached with the gospel. And we have a chance to do that. And most of us, we have live very affluent lives. You may say, well, I don't drive a, 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 a Rolls Royce. Well, come on. Uh, compared to the bulk of the world, we are so well off, Daryl. So my concern is, and again, not legalistically, not heavy-handed, he- heavy-handedly, but to share a little bit of what God has given us, spiritually, financially, otherwise, with our brothers and sisters throughout the world who are f- live radically impoverished lives, and for the thousands, if not millions of people I see in my travels who don't even know the Lord Jesus Christ, and many of them, Daryl, have never even heard the gospel, and most of us hear it on a daily basis. And uh, Craig, I, I'll, I'll be back. I'll pick it back on yours, man, because uh, in essence, that that is mine. That's the, the whole impetus of this ministry, Living by the Word Ministries, is is not just designed to be just be a church, but it's designed uh, to be more than a church. It's designed to help people. People and participate in various people ministries like the ministry you're doing Craig like the, the teaching ministry in various parts of the world and to the degree that you can teach the Word of God so people can know the Word of God in the beginning of this broadcast when we were setting up as you were coming in I was telling the people about the unknown God how Paul even dealt with that uh, to let yes. people know about these things the world is dying folks listen I play golf with some older guys my father's age my father died two years ago and I deal with guys from from the age of uh, 75 for the junior guy up to 90 years old so you imagine if he's junior at 75 and I'm only 62 you know what they call me you know what I'm represented but folks listen take the word of God serious take what you know take what you have and share it 
we have the antidote for sin. We have the eternal um, balm for the world. Share it, please. Share it, please. This is Living by the Word Ministries, Bible Information Brokers. And Andy, I want to thank you very much for a fine job. Really appreciate it. Uh, birthday boy, Zach. Does that one have the same birthday as mine, awesome. Craig? Hey, by the way, where's, where's Brian? Well, see, now, you shouldn't do that. Don't throw him under the bus now. But listen, my name is Daryl Easy D. Fulton, Mama I hear Grace. backing up. And Big Daddy's baby boy. Saying the Lord willing, we'll be back next week with more of the Bible Information Brokers. God bless. <laughs>